Welcome back. <laughs> as soon as Christian finishes up his popcorn, Do you want the cheese? I, I'm good. Thank okay. you. We are going to look at some other films released in 1993 because there were a lot of them. Um, though I feel like the Academy did pretty well with their nominations. Like I liked all five of them, mm-hmm. which I did not could not say for 1968. Um, there were some that I think could have worked in or I would have liked and also just ones that were very enjoyable films that were released that year. Let's talk about the first one. The first one. The first major one. Again, we said with Schindler's List that Spielberg was sort of the king of the Oscars that year because he also had another movie. I don't know. I think I've ever heard of it. Uh, isn't that one about, what is it, Mammoths? It's called Jurassic Mammoth. Park. Jurassic Park. Something. Okay. Something like that. But yeah, I think... We, oh, with Chris Pratt. With that's Chris, the that, one. Yeah, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. I see. With the volcano. Mm-hmm. But anyway, if you've never heard of Jurassic Park, go away. I mean, Please do. The biggest box office hit of 93 worldwide. It's not even close. I mean, a massive blockbuster. It came out in June. Schindler's List came out in December. Again, you watch and you're like, how the hell did he do this? Yeah. Um, but he did make Jurassic Park first before he made Schindler because he didn't think he could do it. I don't think he could have done it. It wouldn't have been as joyful, exciting no. as it is. No. But pretty much um, amusement park. People go to it. We have Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Sir Richard Attenborough, Jeff Goldblum, some little kiddos. Great cast. Samuel Jackson. Um, and then the dinosaurs get loose and everybody's screaming for their lives and trying to shut the park down. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's um, a great movie. I, I grew up with this movie. I didn't. I first saw it when I was like 17. Wow. Yeah, I know. Oh I, I don't know. I grew up with this movie. I know. A lot of people did. I mean, here's something. When this film was released, number one box office hit of all time worldwide. Wow. Yeah. My my dad says that they got a, I think it's a Ford Explorer. It's the car that they used during the T-Rex attack. Mm-hmm. But they got that car based on the movie. Really? Because they thought the car would hold up I, I, very I bet, well. I bet. <laughs> That's smart. Yeah. I bet they're not the only ones. I mean, um, and they also he also shows this to his class in Spanish. Really? Yeah, I've seen it That's in Spanish. Cool. It's cool. Um, but the second time that Spielberg had done something like that, I know E.T. domestically was number one all time. Mm-hmm. It beat Star Wars. Um, I don't know about worldwide, but yeah. Uh, you know where it is today on the list? Tell it to us, Marvel. 17. Damn you, Marvel. So 25 years, it's dropped 17 spots. Hey, at least 16 spots. Still top 20. Oh, yeah, it's... It was an incredible hit. Um, I don't know, adjusted for inflation, it would probably be still top 10. Probably. Um, but what's so great about this movie? It's the perfect summer blockbuster. It, it is. It has good action. It's good characters. Mm-hmm. He keeps that plot pace perfectly. He does. I can't believe I said that without stuttering. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think people just genuinely had never seen up until that point a movie about dinosaurs where the dinosaurs didn't look fake as shit. Yeah. These dinosaurs are real. You had animatronic puppets. You had some CGI imagery. But just like Laura Dern and Sam Neill, when they first see that brontosaurus, you're shocked. Yeah. And the score, um, John Williams' score. John Williams' score. Really helps with that. <laughs> it's a bit corny in the new movies, but for that one, yeah. it really like, gave you that feeling of, Wow. Yeah. It's like, a mo- it's a wondrous movie. It is. I think you don't like it as much as I do. Well, I 
I love it. Let's just get this out of the way so the hate mail can come in. The action sequences in in this film are, like, some of the best ever. Um, The dinosaurs are thrilling, and at times the T-Rex is terrifying. Mm -hmm. It's the scenes in between, some of them, like, there were a few times where I'm like, let's get to the havoc. Like, get to it. Like, I, I... they're on this tour and they're talking about all the science and stuff and that those scenes they're still good um because the acting is still really good um but it keeps it from being like a perfect five-star film for me i guess is mm-hmm. the way i put it it's still like it's still like you said it's the perfect summer blockbuster which spielberg did twice um in a sense well he's done more multiple times it's easy but it's easy to watch it is multiple times it really is believe me and the scene, just the scene with the T-Rex and the cars, the tour cars, is so thrilling mm-hmm. um, and scary. We say thrilling a lot. It's it pretty much a thrill ride. It is. Movie. You're on your the edge of your seat. Yeah. From like from that point on, it doesn't let up a whole lot except when they're in the tree and you have that really nice moment with Sam Neill and the kids. I mean, there's not a lot of people in this movie, too, because the theme park's only being pretty much tested. Right. You just have Sam Neill, the kids, and the kids are pretty much the only ones the T-Rex goes after. <laughs> That's true. I never thought about that. Yeah, they're the only two in the car when it comes blaring down, and they're like, oh, my God. Well, sometimes, like, the T-Rex is the star of the show. Yeah. In fact, Spielberg, I read, like, he wasn't originally going to include him in the end with the Raptors, but then he thought, the T-Rex is too amazing. Like, we have to include him here. He has she, to, like, her. sorry. Sorry. Wow, that's true. Mm-hmm. Good catch. They're all ladies. They are all ladies. And this T-Rex, man, she has lived because she is in the most current Jurassic World. Yes. She has been around. Okay, she's pissed off. She's always pissed. She's the star of this movie. She's the hero half the time, too. Like, yeah. She's been used as, like, the anti-hero of the film so many times, and the series. And it's like such an impact on the Oscars that year because it also won, you have three noms, three wins. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then also there's um, Elijah Wood when he presented Best Visual Effects that year. They had like half of the T-Rex head, a puppet, come out and give him the envelope. So again, there's a lot of impact with this movie. There is. and It's like Jaws where you know Jaws is going to win these technical awards. And then you have Jurassic Park, and you're like, what else should win against this? Yeah. This is it. And there's also a ride at Universal Studios. It's a water ride. Which I will be going to this December. Good. I'm glad you're going now because it's closing in 2019. Yeah. Um, that's a great ride, though. It is a lot of fun. I wrote it um, in 2012, and it's great. Uh, but yeah, Spielberg really showed his versatility this year. He did. That's an understatement. Um, I'd like to how he lost E.T. to Gandhi to Richard Attenborough. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, then he goes around. <laughs> he has no hard feelings. Then he goes and puts Richard Attenborough in his movie. Yep. And then he also puts Ben Kingsley, who was Gandhi, in his other movie. That, I never thought about that. That's amazing. It is. Um, you know what's really crazy? This Sam Neill's part, do you know who it originally almost went to? Chris Pratt. Harrison Ford. Oh. Wouldn't that be crazy? Harrison Ford, okay? The Richard Kimball, Indiana Jones, Han Solo, the Blade Runner. Yeah. Plus Dr. Grant, that would have been insane. 
It has been four of the ten. Why? I don't know. I agree to disagree. I don't get me wrong. I like Sam Neill. I'm glad they went with Sam Neill. Yeah. Um, but Laura Dern though the Laura Dern original is. dinosaur screen queen. Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum are definitely the standouts. Iconic. I would say. He has. I mean, they all have their little action figures now from Funko. Yeah. Jeff has his little shirtless on the table one. <laughs> Plus that giant statue in London. That's oh just God, amazing. Yes. <laughs> Look, this movie has aged well. It has. He's aged well in it. But I mean, with any film that relies heavily on special effects. Special effects done well. Too. Done well. Like, I'll say this. Like, it's hard to age well. Mm-hmm. Forgive me for this. The original Star Wars hasn't aged it's it's aged well and that's still very enjoyable, but the special effects do look dated. Yeah. 2001, different story. Yeah. I think that still looks amazing. This is another example that still looks amazing. And even George, like, I'm assuming you're referring to George Lucas's edits because that's all anybody's really ever seen yeah. nowadays. They're awful. They are. And he did those yeah. in the 90s. Yeah. And the way that I love, like, CGI gets people crap on it all the time. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's used best when you use it like Spielberg does, which is combine it with practical effects. Yeah. So that's used when it's needed. But then you also get a more realistic view mm-hmm. when it's not needed. It works. It does work. Cool. Moving on. Anything else on Jurassic Park? I love it. It's a classic. I love it. It really is a classic. It I is. I love it. A lot of people, I think, would say that it's their favorite from 1993. I've seen it in theaters. That too. In 3D. In 3D. Yeah. Wow. I've seen the Jurassic World movies in theaters. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. What next? How about letter... Okay. Letter C. Letter C? Because your little cursor's <sighs> on this. Oh, I was just... Sorry. Looking at a computer. We're going to see. Brett's going to talk about this one because he knows more about it than I. It's so good. It's. It did not receive any nominations. Wah, wah. It's another one that some people might say is their favorite of 1993. I didn't grow up with it. The Sandlot. I just saw this movie like last year. And you enjoyed it. I did. Um, Again, they have little Funko Pops for them now. Yeah. This is another one that is a huge cultural, I don't know if I want to say icon, but pretty close. Like, killing me smalls. You're killing me smalls. Like, the great Bambino. I mean, it's just a really, it's another one of those movies that's really sweet, even though like the characters, like some of the things they say are definitely not sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the Killing isses. Kill me small. You can tell I've only seen this once. <laughs> well, here's another thing. We always talk about the child actors in this, and they're all a lot of fun, um, especially the kid who plays Ham, um, the big catcher kid. You killing me smalls? That one. Okay. Um, who tells the story of the great Bambino? I'm whatnot. shutting up. Right, explains this movie. No, no, join in. Uh, it is. It's built on nostalgia. It takes place in the 60s where these kids, they spend every day for the entire summer in the dog days going out and playing baseball. They don't play games except for once when they beat the shit out of the rich kid team. <laughs> um, one of them is Benny Rodriguez, who they, like, he goes on to be a big baseball star, but he is so humble, and, like, he's the one who invites Smalls in. Smalls is the main character, kind of this nerd kid that's new to the town. But that, real, that nostalgia factor is pretty huge. Um, I grew up with it personally. Like I, me and my friends would try to get together and do things like this. That's so cute. 
it didn't work out. I don't know why. It, it, we did it like a couple times, and then people got tired of it, I guess. Life isn't um, a movie. I know. It isn't. Plus, we were in a town that was a lot smaller than whatever this one is. But it's just kids. You watch kids have fun, and then there's this plot line with the beast. Um, oh, the dog. Yes. Yeah. That kind of like dives into the imagination of a kid. The mm-hmm. thing, the stories that we tell ourselves to excite us and mm-hmm. scare us. And that part reminds me of Stand by Me. Have you seen? Something? Yes, I yeah. love Stand by Me. There's their little rabbit dog in that movie. That's right. So. It's always a dog. It is. Mm. Why not a rabid cat? No. <laughs> but one thing that I think is often overlooked with this film, the adult cast. Dennis Leary, oh, yeah. Karen Allen, oh. James Earl Jones. No, it's been a while since I've seen this. <laughs> James Earl Jones, he, he's only in this movie for like five minutes, but he yeah. just blows me away. Um, he's also in Field of Dreams, which is another big mm-hmm. baseball movie. and so Baseball for adults. Right. He plays this guy who lost his eyesight. Um, he was supposed to be as good as Babe Ruth. Um, it doesn't really touch on enough that he was a black player. Oh, yeah. Never, like he says, I'd have broken George, George Ruth's records. Maybe that's because he didn't get to play in the major leagues that he didn't get to do that. And also that he got popped in the head by a ball and went blind. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> um, it's just a fun movie. It's one yeah. of my favorites of the year. It's... You just enjoy watching them be kids, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, that's all I have to say about that. I just want to do a quick aside for shortcuts. Did you watch this? I, I didn't, remember. but I've seen it. You've seen it? It's a very long movie. Do you like it? It's it's good. I have the criterion. I'm there for the cast. Yeah, the cast is really good. My friend Julianne Moore is in it. You know, Robert Altman did something like this in 1975, which we're covering next. Nashville, which mm-hmm. I thought was way better than this was. He does it a lot, too. He did Gosford Park. Gosford Park, with that's a large right. Cast. Yep. He loves his large cast. He loves his large cast and his overlapping dialogue. That's, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um, something Christian doesn't get into. The reason this film stands out for me this year is that it got one nomination for Best Director. Mm-hmm. And that... When I saw that, I was like, how the hell did that happen? Like, that's its only nomination. Best Director is huge. It's happened 14 times in Oscars history. Um, David Lynch has done it twice. He was the last one to do it from Mulholland Drive. Um, It's interesting, too, the shortcuts. I mean, there's not a Best Ensemble Oscar, though I feel there should be. There should be. Um, But they did win, I think, Best Ensemble at the Golden Globes. Is that what they did? Yeah, which has never been done before. I don't think after that. I mean, so was like was it like a special award for this? I you think, think so? It's a large cast. It, it's huge. And what it's two pretty, dozen people? Yeah, and it's pretty much just average people in Los Angeles. Do you think it ties together well? Like, do you think it meshes? From what I remember of it, I think it does very well. The only yeah. one, the only iconic things that I remember it is like Lily Tomlin. Yes. Do their earthquake. Um, my friend Julianne, she's like naked mm-hmm. painting or whatever. Yep. Yeah, I need to see this again. It's again, it's long. I didn't really have time to do it. I got right. it so I can watch it anytime. I mean, I I I liked it. It's it's kind of there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I did really enjoy Lily Tomlin. I've seen her in three movies in the last two weeks. The boys she's always finally brilliant. saw Nine to Five. Oh, so that's so good. That is so good. Um. But yeah, I just want to bring that up because it's not 
it's not a typical case that you see a film nominated for best director mm-hmm. and that's it that's it um and like a skilled director too yeah and obviously that's part of it too i think he is a beloved director mm-hmm. he's been nominated what at least three times four probably um so maybe that was part of it he he's kind of hit or miss for me i love nashville and i love mccabe and mrs miller hated mash um sorry all his movies are fine for me they're fine okay yeah I'm still getting used to, and I say this with every movie, but I am still getting used to that overlapping dialogue. Yeah. Where one minute they're talking like this, and as they're still talking, they're like, so yeah, baby, I'm sleeping with my boat, man. I liked it in Nashville, because I thought it fit. That was one of the things about MASH that I didn't like, so it just kind of depends on the film. But Anyway, you choose the next one. Where are we going next? (gasps) Let's go funny with Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes. Another movie I grew up with. Another movie I love. Robin Williams gives one of his best performances. It really is. <laughs> Sue me. Rest it really in is. Peace. It's just an overall fun movie. It has a lot of heart to it. It's about family. A father trying to win his kids back. Pretty much trying to see them. So he dresses up as this British nanny to take care of them. Because he doesn't trust anybody else. And it works out and it kind of brings him closer to his kids Mm -hmm. inadvertently they don't know that this is their dad yeah but I don't know it's so fun it's so funny Robin Williams and Sally Field as well um I haven't seen it I didn't get to it for this I haven't seen it in a long time oh god I thought you were gonna say you haven't seen it no 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 I have seen it but I feel like this is a part one of those films that people in our generation grew up with Mm -hmm. um and was one of the funny movies that we watched when we were Actually, kids. Actually, somebody we both know named Toby. Hey. hey. Only had seen this last year. Really? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, it's still Well, I'm glad, he, I'm glad you... Sh- did you show it to him? No, he saw it. He saw it. I'm he glad he like discovered it, it. I'm glad he yeah. watched it. But yeah, it's such a good movie, and I don't think there's a single person that I know out there who doesn't like this. Yeah, and you may not love it. You may not think it's a great movie, but you, you do enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, My dad used to work for um, kids who got fostered out to kids, mm-hmm. I mean, to, to other families and whatnot, and he would actually, during training, show the ending of this movie where Mrs. Doubtfire talks about what families are. You could have one dad, you could have one mom, you could have two moms, you could have two dads, whatever. Right. He would show that because it is like, it's a good family feature. It, it, it's it's funny. You are going to laugh, but it's also emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, directed by Chris Columbus, who did the first two Harry Potter movies. Yeah. So he, He's coming off Home Alone, too, with these. That's right. Because okay. he did get the script for this during the making of Home Alone, too. Gotcha. This is the number two box office film of the year, 1993. Y'all. And it did win. It won for makeup. Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, the I thought you said it didn't win. I was no, like, it what? Did. <laughs> yes, it did. I'll express my voice. It won for makeup. Well, did you know it won Best Comedy or Musical at the Golden Globes? Yes, I did. And Robin Williams won as well? Yes, that, I did. That's amazing. That's awesome. He also won a special award the year before, so he was on a roll with them Globes. For Aladdin? Yeah. They gave him a special one for that. He should have been nominated for an Oscar for that movie. Voice performances are performances. They also need their own category. But anyway. But anyway. is great. Definitely. Shall we go dramatic or musical? Let's go musical. What's love got to do? Got to do? <laughs> Who sings that? Do not bring this up. 
Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? The story of Ike and Tina Turner. Starring Angel Bassett, Lawrence Fishburne, and it's a pretty good movie. It is. It's your standard, what do you call it, bio, musical Musical biopic, bio yeah. It's, I mean, it's standard as heck, but of course the performances are like yeah. fantastic, especially Angela. I personally think, sorry, Holly, I give it to Angela right here. Yeah. I don't know. Um, she does what I feel that Joaquin Phoenix does in like Walk the Line. Yes. I wish she would have sang. Because, you know, they recorded, they re-recorded Tina Turner for a lot of the music in this. Well, Jennifer. Uh, I'm not, I know, I know. I'm, I'm not, like, dissing her completely because that, that's just my deciding factor between the two. Yeah. Because when you think of everything Holly Hunter did for the piano. But Angela Bassett, is it Bassett or Bassett? It's Bassett. Uh, see, I've always said Bassett for some reason. I just found out, like, Oh, wow, like this Bassett. French. But um, Angela Bassett would definitely be my number two of mm-hmm. the year. Um, and it's a close race. She is really fun to watch, but also heartbreaking at times. Uh, because this film is hard to watch at times. Not because it's bad, but because it, the subject matter is I can pretty brutal. I had a very rocky relationship. Very rocky. And this is another film. It says loosely based on her memoir, mm-hmm. Itina. I read that some of the stuff she described in the memoir was actually worse than what we see in the movie. Yeah. And we see some pretty bad shit in the movie. This would be a really good musical, I think. Oh, yeah. I, agree. I mean, they're turning every singer's life into a musical now. <laughs> but, I mean, for what it's worth, it's a good movie. Yeah. And it's, I don't think a lot of people have seen it. I don't think so either. Um, I see it. I think I rented it off of Amazon. I'd heard of it. Like, I've always heard of it. Yeah. But I... I'll be honest, I didn't really think about watching it until I only we got remember, into this. I only and... remember songs. Yeah, I mean, she's she's obviously, like, one of the most iconic performers. Mm-hmm. Isn't she? I, I'm pretty sure she's, like, the best-selling live act. Or at least she was Maybe. for a time period. Yeah. Maybe not anymore. But I think for a time, she was, like, the biggest ticket seller out there. And she had, like, a, a film career of her own when this came out. She was just in Mad, Mad Max. Max, Beyond Thunderdome. Um, we don't need another hero. And she does. She really does bring out the hits. Um, the song that kind of debuted on the soundtrack of this film. Remind me what it's called. I forget. Oh, God. Why do I I wrote it down. Um, I don't want to fight. Oh, okay. Yeah. Obviously. I was not going to say that. Obviously, What's Love Got to Do With It is the big one. It's her, you know, her big popular hit. And, of course, Proud Mary. Proud Mary. That's right. Like that as well. job in the city. I could sing Tina. This has an interesting background as well. I'm about to read who was offered the part of Tina Turner. Go for Are it. you ready to be yeah. shook? Halle Berry. Okay. Robin Gibbons. Pam Greer, uh-huh. who I love. Whitney Houston. I could see it. Janet Jackson. I could see it. Vanessa Williams. I could really see it. And Jennifer Lewis, who ended up playing her mother. I could see it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and because of that, like... Lawrence Fishburne turned down this role like four or five times. Mm-hmm. Um, them hiring Angela Bassett was one of the reasons that he finally decided, okay, I'll take this role. Yeah. Uh, he didn't like the original script, um, hated it. I think Angela's really good in this. Angela Bassett? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's I mean, great. I like Whitney Houston would be fine because you would have somebody doing their own singing. Right. But I don't know. You can't tell that she's not doing her own singing. Yeah. Like, I thought she was. 
yeah. then I looked it up. I'm like, oh, okay. And it. Not gonna lie, I thought she was until you spoiled it. I, and that came from Wikipedia too, so maybe I read wrong. Spoil but my fun. Um, but the other guy, Lawrence Fishburne, is great as well. Mm-hmm. He um. He got him an Oscar nomination too. And if it weren't for Tom Hanks, he would be my pick. Ooh. Yeah, I thought he was that good. Um, he is. Controversial. He starts out as a very charismatic figure. You can see why Tina Turner's character would fall in love with him. Mm-hmm. He's very charismatic. He's talented. Seems like a nice guy. And then over time, and it's a good progression, it's not like Baines in the piano, you see him become this total monster. Yeah. And Ike Turner. Abusive. Very abusive. Yeah. Um, and Ike Turner felt the. He was heavily chastised when this film came out yeah. because of it. I mean, deservingly so you're like finally seeing the real ike yeah and i a lot of people stood up for ike turner yeah. and just like, and i had no idea actually that him and tina were both sort of working together oh really i always like, i always assumed that he was like her manager that he wasn't oh, like an on-stage presence with gotcha her because he is an on-stage presence with her until she sort of goes solo with her own right stuff. but yeah i never knew i didn't really know their story at all and, the only thing i did know is that he was abusive to her right and it, it's so difficult to watch and at the end I the courtroom scene is very short not a typical one but I where she tries to get her name she back. gets her name the yeah name she, Tina Turner because that's not her given name and he doesn't want to give it to her but because mm-hmm. they both know she's gonna go on to make a lot more he yeah. he wins like she's like you can give him everything I have right now I just want the name and it's like okay you know their kids were all grown up by that yeah. time and so they've been in the news recently too Really? Her son died. Oh. Yeah, their son died recently. Yeah, so. And the movie, that's one thing. The movie, one of her first son was actually with, not with Ike Turner. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's presented that way in the movie. But hmm. interesting. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's a, like you said, it's a pretty standard by the book biopic, yeah. but it's also very effective. What's to do? So who sings it? Moving on. You pick. Um, Philadelphia. Yes. No, that was going to be my next pick, actually. You brought it up anyway. I didn't bring it up. So Tom Hanks uh, directed Jonathan Demme and Denzel. Mm-hmm. Um, remind me to tell you what I feel about Denzel in this movie. Anyway, okay, I'm interested. Uh, so Tom Hanks is a lawyer, a gay lawyer, who has AIDS. He's fired from his job. Um, and he hires Denzel to represent him in a lawsuit unjustly fired of course denzel doesn't really want it at first because he's a gay man with aids he's deeply homophobic i wouldn't say he learns to change no but he does take the case yeah and the rest of the movie is pretty much the entire case with tom hanks progressively getting worse Mm -hmm. in terms of his health yada yada Sometimes, and here we go, sometimes I think Denzel does the better job in this of acting. Mm-hmm. And if given, I would nominate him and let him win. Really? Yeah, because we'll win Tom Hanks at Forrest Gump, whatever. But yeah, Tom Hanks does a really good job in this. And it's something that, again, you don't expect because up until this point, he's in what, mostly comedies. Yeah, no. I mean, it's like, and this year he also, a lot of people are having two two movies in a year this year. He has Sleepless in Seattle. Yes. A romantic That's comedy. right. And then he goes, turns around, is a movie about the AIDS crisis. The first, like, big budget 
big starring one. Yeah. I mean, earlier that year they had that TV movie and the band played on oh, yeah. with Matthew Modine, yeah. but this was like Hollywood finally really taking yeah. that on. Well, there's been a lot of independent movies too. Right, right. Like, like you said, big budget. Yeah. Like a Hollywood, a brand name. This is Tom Hanks. And it was a, it, this was also a box office hit, which I found really surprising. Um, just because of, like it is a big budget movie, but it doesn't have that feel at mm -hmm. all times. Um, plus, I mean, obviously the content. It was number 12 in the U.S. and number 9 worldwide that year, hmm. which is pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from in terms of Denzel because he is really good. And I think I would still go with Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks would still be my pick for mm -hmm. best actor because he just he destroyed me. Um, both with the more dramatic scenes like when he collapsed in the courtroom and like the scene in the hospital, the scene where he's talking to his family, um, telling them that he's going to go on with this court case. Um, he just works with so many different emotions and it's not just this long entire the film of him weeping and crying the whole time. The opera music scene. The opera music scene. That's the red really, yeah. yeah. Like the most hard-hitting scene. Right. But I, all, I agree that I think Denzel should have been nominated as well as yeah. a co-lead um, because I think that people often see this as the big Tom Hanks movie and they forget how good Denzel was mm -hmm. in it because he is pretty marvelous and playing a really a really tough character because he is not he's not a good guy yeah um, he's good in that he helps right Tom Hanks's character with the lawsuit still maybe homophobic a bit yeah his views might change a little bit but he knows what his views were. I, I don't, yeah, I think he's more open to it, but he's still not going to yeah. support it. Yeah. Um, there's that, and the reason he comes to help him, the scene is really good because you see they're both working in the same library and this guy kind of lives, gives Denzel a good look like, what is this black man doing here? Mm -hmm. And then he sees the same kind of prejudice used against Tom Hanks um, because he visibly has AIDS at that point mm -hmm. and they keep offering him this private room and he keeps saying I'm good I'm good and I think Denzel sees it and he's like damn it okay <laughs> I'll do it and now that I can't believe I'm just thinking about this but Philadelphia city of what <gasps> brotherly love it's like these two obviously they don't love each other but now they respect each other they do they do they have a certain admiration for him he does visit him in the hospital Right. character, you know? I think one of the, um, not just with Tom Hanks, but also with Tom Hanks' partner in the movie, who's played by Antonio Banderas, mm -hmm. he shares kind of a passionate hug with Denzel in the end of the movie. That was a really important point for me mm -hmm. um, because Denzel's character can be so homophobic, even to the point where he's, like, disgusted. Like, there's a scene where um, a student of law school sees him in the convenience oh, yes, store yes and he thinks that he's gay and he's like you want to get together later and then denzel just freaks out yeah and uses the f word yeah um not the four letter one but the very derogatory one yes three letter and yeah but you if, know that you uh listeners should watch uh, the celluloid closet mm -hmm. that, that was made in 95 this came out in 93 and tom does discuss this movie in a little bit of detail yeah, just to throw that out there. Doesn't he say that like him and Antonio Banderas had much more intimate scenes yeah. that were cut? Yeah. Which, I mean, 
but, sucks, but is to be expected, I guess. And then, of course, the fun fact of this win in his acceptance speech is Tom Hanks outed his teacher. Yeah. His drama teacher from high school, which in turn was made into a movie. In and out. Yeah. Which is Kevin weird. Twine. Yeah. Um, which I haven't seen, but it's funny. He he shares like a long kiss with Tom Selleck, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's Tom I'm sorry. Tom Selleck, the most hyper mask one of the most hyper masculine guys ever. Um, which is very problematic. I've I've heard that the teacher was okay with it. Yeah. But um, not something you often hear about. It says five noms and two wins. Who won the other Oscar for Philadelphia? Oh, thank the Lord, Bruce, Bruce. Springsteen. Oh, and it is a good song. It opens the film. Philadelphia. There are two songs nominated. Philadelphia was yeah. the other one by um, Neil Young. Neil Young. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it won best song also. I was glad. I love Bruce. Um, but yeah, it was also nominated for screenplay. Uh, makeup original song. I feel like this was probably close to a Best Picture nomination. Yeah. Like it was probably number six or seven on the list. It was there. I really enjoyed it. Do you think? What do you think? Do you? I enjoyed it too. Good representation? I didn't get a chance to see it this time around, but I have seen it twice. I think it is a good representation. I don't think nowadays it would pass with a straight cis actor yeah. playing the Tom right. Hanks role. Right. People would not want that. But for the time, I mean... I think the one, obviously I'd prefer a gay actor, the one nice thing about it is that that was probably part of the reason that it was such a good box office hit. Because mm-hmm. uh, even though Tom Hanks wasn't known for movies like this yet, he was still, like, he'd been in big. Um, a League of Their Own came out a year before. Yeah. Uh, so he, he had big films. A lot of comedies. A lot of comedies, too. right. Um, yeah, I was, I was glad he won. Yeah. Denzel's good, too. Denzel is very good. Okay, I'm going to call the next one. Brett's going to talk about this. Let me just say what I thought really quick without giving the title. You can, like... I didn't like it at first. I saw it again. I did like it. It has a good script. It It's like shortcuts for teenagers. Go. Can you guess the movie he's talking about? I'll tell you anyway. Monty Python spam a lot. That's a musical. <laughs> Dazed and Confused. Yay. So good. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. This film, oh my gosh, I just, I, I can't think of many more perfect and enjoyable films set in high school. I mean, obviously you have all the John Hughes movies. Mm-hmm. Richard Linklater kind of wanted to do something a little different from what you often saw in those. Um, the boy loves this movie. <laughs> I, I do. It, it is my number one movie of 1993. I'm a huge Linklater fan, so it's to be expected, but... It makes me laugh every time I watch. It's enjoyable. It goes quickly. It's one of those movies that I'm sad when I know it's about to end. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I don't want to watch these these stoner kids go on for longer. Um, but it was a big launching point for maybe not big, but you know, acting debut of Matthew McConaughey, who plays like this kind of creepy older guy who hangs out with the high school kids. Oh, it's like uh, I keep getting older and they keep staying younger. Yeah, that's what I love about these Haskell girls. He's, he's creepy. <laughs> his best line of the whole movie, though, like everybody says that one. No. His funniest line is when Mitch, the freshman kid, gets in the car. He's like, how's it going, man? You got a joint? 
And Mitch is like, um, no. He's just like, be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> who says it like <laughs> He's obviously already stoned out of his well, mind. I'm kind of wanting to leave because what the hell does that <laughs> sound like Matthew McConaughey? That? That? <laughs> oh my God. I, he's so funny. I would like you just to say that again. We'll do it afterwards. Chat. Um, oh my God. But this was the the beginning of his all right, all right, the right thing. And yeah. he was not originally assigned to this movie. Like, he approached the casting director in Austin, the hotel where they were staying because he lived there. And, like, Linklater didn't want him because he thought he was too handsome Was this first. his first movie? Yes. Okay. Because I know he was in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre the next year. Yes. I'm pretty, pretty sure this was his first. Um, but, yeah, it was – he wasn't supposed to have as much screen time as he did – but um, they cut some of the screen time from the big stoner kid who dates Milo Jovovich mm-hmm. because he was really hard to work with on set. Yeah. But And then Matthew McConaughey became a star. Yeah. Star is born. But it's set during 1976, Bicentennial. It's really big into the music of the time, opposition to authority. And you have, what I really love about it is that it's very anthropological. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll have a line with the long-haired kid who's just there, like, saying random stuff, like, you're cool, man, and, like, just completely dumb. And then you have, like, got things that they're saying that you wouldn't expect high school kids to say. Um, you have Jason London, who plays Pink, who's the main character, essentially. He is a football star, popular kid, but he treats everybody with respect, mm-hmm. takes the freshman under his wing, and the freshman, Mitch Mitchell, is kind of like that guy who's going to be pink in four years. And so it's just that cycle of seniors moving out, freshmen coming in. And the initiation ceremonies are terrible, but they're hilarious. What's worse, the guy mode of getting your ass beat with a paddle by Ben Affleck or being treated like a slave, essentially, by the women? Um, I would get pissed off of Ben Affleck follow me my entire fucking day excuse me for saying that but he's such a dick in this movie (laughs) i mean it it is his real life yeah but no his characters literally he has that damn paddle with him the entire movie just trying to beat up on people and it's like enough yeah and (laughs) now that i'm thinking back on this movie there's not a lot of adults in this movie no and one of them pulls a shotgun on ben affleck and (laughs) it's hilarious Again, it's like it's like it is like shortcuts for teenagers. It really, because it has such a big cast. They're all doing their own thing. It goes edit. I like the editing in this because, yep. and I like Linklater's editing process, like mm-hmm. he did with Boyhood, because I was like, you have this, 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 and it's all coherent. It all right works together. Yeah, it works together perfectly. And his characters, he just he has a way of making his characters so lovable mm-hmm. and what, can empathize with them really quickly. What decade is this? Uh, that the film is set yeah. in 70s, 76. When does every, everybody want some? 1980. Okay. So everybody wants some, the spiritual sequel that came out 1980. I mean, people use that term. It's almost as if like none of the characters are in it. It's not a direct sequel, mm-hmm. but the main character of that one is almost like if Mitch Mitchell had graduated and it was now going to college. And it's about a baseball team in college, and it's even better than this, I would say. I like um, that movie. It is that really good. movie, I love that movie. I could go on and on, but we'd be here all day. What's next? 
Let's talk about two animated features. Yes. We'll double I'm it. really interested the in this. first is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. One of the most iconic animated features out there. It's certainly in pop culture. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, big I cult mean, film. Walk into Hot Topic, look around, there's like, gosh, damn movies <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yes, I do go into Hot Topic, people. I like looking at their Which Funkos. Which is fine. I, they have a lot of Funkos there. They do. Um, but that's a, another really imaginative movie from the mind of Tim Burton. Now, people, he didn't direct it. Okay. He didn't. He just came up with the idea and produced it. Henry Selznick, I want to say? Um, no, it's... Um, I'm dumb. What's his name? He'll find out. He, he's made a lot of movies like this. Yeah, but um, it, 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 it's essentially a Tim Burton concept. Henry Selick. Selick. You're close. I was close. Um, surely you all know the plot. I love the songs in it. Danny Elfman did the score, as he does most Burton movies. And sang Jack Skellington's parts. And sings parts. Jack Skellington's part. Um, it's a really quick movie. There's the constant debate I have within myself that is this a Christmas or a Halloween movie? On the count of three, let's say what it is. Okay. One, two, three. Halloween. Halloween. Thank you. I get that it's the nightmare before Christmas, but it starts in Halloween. The the char- this the essential characters are from Halloween Town. Yeah. Like this is my favorite animated feature of ninety three. And that's saying a lot because there's not that many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll move on to the only other one that Brett saw and then I saw that he thinks could have, if there was an animated feature category, could have out won The Nightmare Before Christmas. And that is... Batman Mask of the Phantasm, Ooh. which a lot of you have probably never heard of. I don't think it would have won. Like, I don't think anything was beating Nightmare Before Christmas. Well, Nightmare Before Christmas, it was nominated for Best Visual Effects, mm-hmm. which it deserved. Um, it was very revolutionary, revolutionary in that aspect. I, I just, I still think that should have gotten a nomination for um, one of the songs at least. Yeah, I would agree with that as well, definitely. But Batman is still a good movie. I, it's, it's one of the best Batman movies I think I've seen. Surprisingly, I, I even wrote that in one of my letterbox reviews. It's like, imagine that there's all these damn live action movies, Batman, and one of them is an animated movie that came out Christmas Day, nineteen ninety three. And, and the story about it is so interesting. Like, it was originally intended as a straight-to-video movie. Mm-hmm. It was a continuation of the first season of Batman the Animated Series. A lot of people, I don't know if they know this, but, like, a lot of people consider that one of the greatest animated series ever. It's weird uh, enough that I remember seeing the, that show as a kid. Oh, me too. I need to rewatch. It's on Amazon Prime. Yes. Um, but the movie, they decided, like, halfway through production... Warner Brothers like, we're going to release it in the theaters. Mm-hmm. We're going to get it. Um, so they had, you know, most animated movies take like at least two years. Yeah. They had eight months to make this movie. Which is why I've read it kind of didn't make a big budget at the box office. Oh, it, it was flopped. So rush. It completely flopped. And without a lot of notice, too. Yeah, and it actually was, they held the Annie Awards the next year mm-hmm. with The Lion King, and it beat out The Nightmare Before Christmas and Batman Mask of the Phantasm. It was actually nominated for an Annie Award. It's just, it's a good story that it balances the story of the Phantasm, who is killing off mob bosses um, in Gotham. People think it's Batman because he kind of wears a cape. Mm-hmm. But then you've also got this love story between Batman and Andrea, I want to say her name is. So. I'm really missing out on a lot of this stuff. 
Um, and it kind of balances that between flashbacks and whatnot. Batman is like running from the law, who's given up on him. Um, Bruce is having sort of his own issues with his parents. Yes. And his promise to them. Right. He's having his little midlife crisis, pretty much. He thinks it's like his duty to make this world a better yeah. place through fighting crime. And originally he doesn't do it so he could be with Andrea. They break up and that's how he becomes Batman. And then, of course, you have the iconic Joker. Played by... Mark Hamill. It's so good. Who enters he's, in he's like halfway through the movie, but still he's in it. Plays a big part. Yeah. He does. And there is... There's a twist here that I think some people when they watch it they may think it's obvious but i think the way the f- i didn't i didn't and i think it's because the way the film works with us with balancing those two stories you don't really think so much about mm-hmm. it um but it is a really i enjoyed the hell out of it it's a quick watch enjoyable the animation it looks like the tv show but like the close-ups are very detailed yeah. Um, like on Batman's face specifically it's and whatnot. A, it's a nicely rushed out there animated movie. Yeah. That's surprising. It it did it, it surprised the hell out of me. I, I mean, enjoyed I it. I wasn't a lot. planning on watching it until you watched it. I was like, well, I guess I will. And it's kinda like like Nightmare Before Christmas, it did it did good at the box office. Mm-hmm. But it's exploded since then with video sales and all the merchandise. This, this one is a cult hit, but not yeah. at that level. I was going to say, it, this is the cult. Yeah. I mean, pop culture is more Nightmare Before Christmas. Right, Again, right. You, you just go with the hot topic. <laughs> it's weird. You just go in and you turn to the left. Nightmare Before Nightmare. Christmas. Jack Skellington. Wow. But yeah, Batman, it would have, if there was an animated award back then, it would have got my pick. But I can certainly understand Nightmare Before Christmas. It's just that movie feels a little rushed to me. Um, it's pretty much like The Grinch plus Halloween. Have you have you heard the Tim Burton or read the Tim Burton poem? No, but I need to. I listened to it on the special edition. <laughs> it's good, but it, it really is the Grinch plus Halloween. Oh, wow. Like it does have that feel. We got one more movie. Oh, wow, that's it. Okay, here we go. Our last movie is Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Our last movie. Nice one. Is Groundhog one. Day. Our last movie is Groundhog Day. Our last movie is Groundhog Day. I should have seen this coming. <laughs> That's good, though. Nice work. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Bill, Nur- Bill Murray was nominated for this. Um, no, he wasn't. Just kidding. Just kidding. He wasn't. Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> you see how fast I wanted I, to see how you would react you to that. How fast <laughs> I did that? My God. Um, anyway. Possibly should have been. Very good comedic performance. Yeah. So this actually did win something big. BAFTA. Yeah, it won the BAFTA for Best Original Screenplay, mm-hmm. and it sh- rightly should have. Um, it should have been nominated. It's a funny movie. I love it. I watch it every Groundhog Day. Um, it's, it's, I think it's so creative. It is. Because when I think of Groundhog Day, why in the world do you think of just repeating time? You know? what? Where does that come from on Groundhog Day? And that, that they specifically chose that holiday. Yeah. To set it. Yeah. I don't know. It just... It's wild. It's funny as hell. It is funny. It it, it did, it, it kind of set that trend to where now a lot of people who, especially who grew up watching this, Me. like, this is what you think of on Groundhog Day. Yeah. Like, oh, it's Groundhog Day. Like I said, Day. I watch it every Groundhog Day. Yeah. I have to. Um, yeah, I really loved Bill Murray in this. 
Andy McDowell as well. Yeah. I really enjoyed her in this movie, her performance. She was also in Shortcuts. She's completely different performances, oh, but she's good in both. Good years. Yeah. Three G's. Yeah, Groundhog Day. I do like that it's not all like funny occurrences throughout the days. Mm-hmm. There are like a lot of days where he commits suicide to try to get out of the loop. <sighs> And it doesn't work. There's a day and... he tries to save the homeless man who dies. That is really touching. It's like, why? It's like, you know, what would you do in the circumstance? You could save people, but then the next day something happens to them, and then the next day they're fine, and then the mm-hmm. next day and the next day. Yeah, it, it's surprising in that way. And what Harold is, Ramis. Go to the fun facts of this. The trivia type deal. Yeah. Because it's like, how many years you stuck through? So then they do... Let's see, we're, we're, uh, sorry, Brett's computer hates me. Surely there has to be something about the years. So the original idea was for him to live February 2nd for about 10,000 years. Imagine that. Wow. Yeah. Later he says that Phil probably lived the same day for about 10 years. Wow. I didn't realize it was that yeah. intense. That's crazy. Did you hear his original idea was to start the film in the middle of the loop? Like, without giving, like, background of how he got there and whatnot. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Almost experimental in a way. I like, too, that this movie never explains how the hell he even got in the loop. Same! Like, we don't need some big philosophical Morgan Freeman playing God type deal, like, thing to, like, explain this whole thing. It's just, it's there and it's funny. Maybe the groundhog is is God after all. He also bit Bill Murray twice during this. this. He had to get rabies vaccination. (laughs) But yeah, I would actually, in my personal picks, which I'll tell you, you want to know later, but I do have a, a, do I? I do have Bill Murray nominated. Oh, okay. Plot twist. Cool. I love Groundhog Day. Well, maybe we should, what do you, anything else on Groundhog Day before we just jump into that? It's a musical. Oh. It's very popular in the West End. It wasn't That's popular right. here. Well, it was I popular about it flopped here. Yeah, it's a musical. Hmm. Yeah. Could see that. Everything's a musical these days. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's it. That's all I got. Cool. So we'll take one more brief break. Settle on that. We'll come back and talk about wrapping things up and how we rank them and whatnot. See ya. Ladies and gentlemen, your host for the 66th Annual Academy Awards, Whoopi Goldberg. Welcome to Oscar 66. So they went and gave me a live microphone for three hours. (laughs) There haven't been this many showbiz executives so nervous sweating over one woman since Heidi Flights, honey. All right, all right, all right. We're back. Christian is walking out. He's done. Slam. Goodbye. See ya. <laughs> uh, but now we're getting to the wrap, 
the concluding part of the show. It's the rap party. The rap party. Um, so we call this Which Picture Was Best, part of the Gilded Films podcast. So we're going to say from this year, which picture was best? Now, when it comes to those that were nominated, I think we both agree pretty strongly on that. Let's say it on three. One, two, three. Schindler's List. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> Schindler's List. Schindler. It's, it's not even a contest. I mean, like, other good films, yeah. But how do you not give it? Could you imagine? Okay, think, think about what if the Academy pulled a crash and said, like, The Fugitive or something. Like, that would make their popular film decision look good. Maybe not. You but mean, like I don't know a movie about like a war epic set on D Day versus a movie about like a fictionalized uh, yeah. Shakespeare. I mean that was hey. bad, but at the same time, like I know a lot of people really love Shakespeare in Love, and like Schindler's List is just like I don't know. It's it's it's. <laughs> It's the movie to end the movies in '93. Yeah, and other directors who criticize it, other than them, like I feel like pretty much everybody agrees this yeah. is a masterpiece. This it's is, amazing. It was the movie to be. Yeah, it was a Titanic of that year. Well, and like we know what Clint Eastwood when he presented Best Director. I still don't get it, but okay, it's and the Oscar goes to well, this is a surprise, Steven Spielberg, and I still don't get if he's like actually shook. Or he's just like being sarcastic. Oh, he's he's totally being sarcastic. He's not funny. He's totally being sarcastic. He's talk to his chair. Everybody knew Steven Spielberg was winning. Um, now, what about if you were to include those that weren't nominated? Would your pick change? Yeah. No. 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 I don't think so. Was Schindler's List your favorite film from that year? No. Okay. Mine either. Jurassic Park. Dazed and Confused, which I think I mentioned earlier. But if I was choosing Best Picture, I'm not going to deny Schindler's yeah. List totally deserves that yeah. award. Um, Days and Confused, just a particular pick of mine. Um, but yeah, um, what about, I mean, do we want to rank the nominees or do we want to like think about what we would have nominated ourselves? I think we would have nominated. Yeah, shoot. Okay, so I have a list. So for Best Picture... I would have had Jurassic Park, In the Name of the Father, The Piano, The Remains of the Day, and Schindler's List. You have nominated The Piano. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Just on its... You like that movie, but... It's fine, but it's that kind of movie. Yeah. That the Oscars love. Best Director, I have uh, Jane Campion, The Piano, Harold Ramis, Groundhog Day, Hmm. Scorsese for The Age of Innocence, which you didn't talk about. We forgot about that one. It's a period drama. Daniel Day-Lewis, again, it's fine. Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese. It's a period drama. I thought it was it was fine. I'm not big into those movies at all, no. but Scorsese does some really interesting things yeah. with it. Um, also, then, real quick, sorry. Winona Ryder, do not understand the big hype about her in that movie. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer is way better. Um, but anyway, it's over. Word is better. She's the narrator. Yeah. Um, and then for Best Director, four and five, I have Steven Spielberg for Jurassic Park and mm. Steven Spielberg for Schindler's List. Double nom. Because in I, directing, that is, in fact, legal to do. Yes, and I would do the same thing. Yeah. And then actor, I have Hanks, 
Hopkins, Neeson, and then the two that weren't, Bill Murray and Robin Williams. Okay. Actors. So no Denzel? No. Okay. I mean, I ran out of space. Yeah. Act- Tough year. Actress, I have Bassett, Hunter, uh, Emma Thompson for Remains of the Day, Addie McDowell for Groundhog Day. Good. Julia Binoche for Three Colors Blue. No, she's really good. She is. That movie, oh, not a huge fan of it, but she is amazing. Um, do you want to keep going? Sure. I'll do two more. Yeah. So supporting actor, I have Ray Fiennes, Tommy Lee Jones, Pete Possilway, Additional, Richard Attenborough for Jurassic Park, and Ben Kingsley for Schindler. Okay. I, I like the Ben Kingsley pick. I like that a lot. And then supporting actress, I have Anna Paquin, uh, Winona Ryder, Emma Thompson for The Name of the Father. I really like this one. Joanne Woodward for The mm. Age of Innocence. She's just the narrator. And my personal pick, my personal winner, Joan Cusack for Adam's Family Values. Ah. Oh, there you go. Wow. Okay. There you go. Um, I didn't really go into the nominations, but I could tell you what my winners could be. Go ahead. You can mention your winners, too. Um, so Best Picture, obviously, Schindler's List. Schindler's List. Um, if I were to not, my other four nominees... Um, I would include Jurassic Park. I would throw in Dates and Confused, even though it's not that type of movie. Throw in a genre flick. I could have thrown in Sandlot too, but I decided not wow. to. Um, but that's but that's like part of the whole discussion about the popular film thing is that like they have a type, and I like yeah. when they break it. Um, okay, so Schindler's Jurassic, Dates and Confused. I would also throw in um, In the Name of the Father. And then probably, oh, probably, let me find my list real quick. Sorry, I should have had this prepared. Now, for mine, I just nominated five movies. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing the I same. I was working off of the 510 thing, and that's all I came up with. Oh. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't working off a straight five. Because last time for 68, I had eight. But this one, I had just five. I could have done probably seven. I'm just going to stick with five. My last one, even though there are films I enjoy more, I probably would have thrown Philadelphia in there. I could have went with What's Eating Gilbert Grape, mm-hmm. um, which we didn't talk about either, but the big drawing card is Leonardo DiCaprio, Johnny Depp, who sucks, but he's really good in that movie. Yeah. It's kind of like a small town um, little film um, about a, kind of a kid making his way, learning his way in life. His mom um, is kind of a big figure. She's severely overweight and has a lot of health issues because of it. Yeah, so uh, those would be my five. I would throw Philadelphia in as that last one. Best director would still go with Steven Spielberg for Schindler's List. Honestly, I think most of mine, I think the Academy got pretty much all of mine right. Like best actor, I'd still go with Tom Hanks. I would still go with Holly Hunter, Anna Paquin. I would change best supporting actor. I'm going to make a decision. It's going to be Ray Fiennes for Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. That's my pick. Yep. You have actor differently, though. Who did I pick? Anthony Hopkins. Oh, I put that before I saw Philadelphia. So what is the truth? The truth is Tom Hanks. Okay. Anthony Hopkins is actually my second runner-up. Lawrence Fishburne. Adapted screenplay, you have. Uh, so this is a weird pick for me, but I did go with The Remains of the Day, okay. even though it's not in my best picture list. Mm-hmm. Original screenplay, sorry. Days and Confused. 
Richard Linklater is a genius. Original screenplay for me, Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Yeah. I, I can appreciate that yeah. for sure. Animated film, you have Batman. Of Nightmare. course. We're different. We're different. It's okay. But the basic thing is that for the second time in as many podcasts, we agree that the Oscars did get it right. Wow. And that's impressive. I think 1968 was obviously a lot more contentious. We could have gone a lot of ways. But with this one... It was a clear winner. It was a clear it was winner. A clear front runner, a clear winner. It just, and I'm pretty sure it, I don't know that it swept everything leading into this. If not, it should have. Yeah. Um, great film. One of the best. Anyway, any last thoughts? Steven Spielberg is king of 93. He is. That is the thing to take away with this. Steven Spielberg, amazing. I think that's all I got. Cool. Interesting batch of movies. Yeah, I mean, here's my thing. I just looking at the two we've had so far. I think 1968 had more films that I loved mm-hmm. that are like, but it's top heavy. Yeah. This throughout was more consistently. Yeah. Good. They so, did a good job. I mean, I did I see any film from this year that I absolutely didn't like? Three Colors Blue was probably yeah. the closest. Sorry, film fans. It's well made, but it's so pretentious and yeah. Juliette Binoche deserves all her credit. She probably should have gotten nominated. Probably. Um, coming up, we are hoping for our next podcast episode to be kind of a bonus episode. We're hoping to bring in our friend KB. I hope you're listening. Yeah. Uh, to talk about like some Oscar myths, tidbits, things like that. Maybe we'll talk about the new rule changes they made. Oh, God. Um, but things like, you know, is there really, um, do they really think about whether an actress has already won or not? Is that something that really affects voting? A career win. Natalie Portman. <clears throat> um, but anyway, after that, we will return to uh, this type of format. Our next year that we're going to look at is 1975. The year of the cuckoo's nest. Yes. And the little shark. The little shark that could. It's an amazing year for movies. I've already, we've already started watching a few of them, and I'm really excited. And then after that, we got more surprises in store. Yeah, it'll come along. Thanks for listening. Thanks, folks. Check out the website. We'll be back in probably a month again. Gildedfilms.com. Yes. Please visit us. Visit us. We will donate to your favorite charity. We'll donate Christian's blood. Wow. <laughs> that okay. took a turn. <laughs> Good lord. Hope you guys had fun listening. Yep. Um, and uh, don't forget to tip the waiters. Yes, please do that. And uh, see a lot of good movies. Yeah. Oscar season, she's around the corner. We're seeing Black Klansman tonight. Yes. So this is like the big kickoff, I feel like. Yes. All right. Y'all enjoy. Bye.